0: Thanks for listening to Schlaer Evans On Demand, presented by Bath Fitter. Hey guys, if you drop the ball when it comes to your bath or shower remodel, Bath Fitter doesn't just fit your bath, they fit your budget and schedule. Bath Fitter will install a tub or shower in just one day. Bath Fitter's price guarantee is a slam dunk. Bath Fitter, it just fits. Welcome to 4 Down Territory. As Stick and Stinkin' might take a look at the four biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Slareth and Evans kicking it off with First Down. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday, hump day, Four down territory. Here we go. The Nuggets Rockets went pretty much exactly the way we predicted yesterday, <laughs> yeah. that they would A, win easily, that Nikola Jokic would take much more of a distributing role. Uh, almost came true with the he would have more assists than shots attempted. I was surprised only 10. I thought more like 16 assists last night. I, I thought he'd take a couple less shots. I, I predicted mm-hmm. 6 of 9 shooting. He was 7 of 11, and he had 10 assists, but another triple-double is mm-hmm. these stat pads. I'm being sarcastic, folks. Mm-hmm. Trust me. Being very sarcastic, but uh, I thought Michael Porter Jr. would be the game leading scorer. It turned out it was Jamal Murray who uh, got some time working on Michael Malone's second unit. The way I look at it is in the first quarter, Jamal had it going, so I'm not going to do Steven Silas a favor and take him out. I'm going to ride him. And so we get Pope out in that situation, bring him back. Second half, I got Jamal out. And, and, you know, you think about it. When you have Jamal Murray, Reggie Jackson, and Bruce Brown on the court at the same time, you have three guys that can create for themselves, for the teammates, get downhill. I think we had a really good driving kick from either Reggie to Jamal or Jamal to Reggie. And that, that chemistry is only going to get better at these now- Final 19 games. Perfect team win, right? Nobody played more than 32 minutes. You had six guys in double figures. Another three guys scored eight or more points. So just uh, one of those games where everybody gets involved, involved, everybody feels good, and pick up another important win. I think the other strategy, even though, you know, I don't know that James Merillat will give him any credit, but when you start playing different mixtures of guys together, Murray talked about Jackson and Brown and those guys playing on the second unit together and some of that stuff, developing that chemistry. It's gonna be important when all of a sudden you get playoff time and somebody goes small and you like the Golden State Warriors, and you go and you gotta match it small. And that stuff being worked on now, I know, you know, like I said, nobody will give them credit for that. But those are things that he is working on right now with 19 games left that are going to be beneficial to you at some point come your playoff championship run. Second down. Well, whatever sadness that uh, you may feel that the New York Rangers are the one to acquire Patrick Kane and not the Avalanche, yet another big name off our Avs trade wish list. It is certainly offset by the news that uh, Kale McCarr... Practice yesterday in a full contact jersey. And good chance that he plays tonight. Good. Happy about that. Got to get him back. Because the longer the longer you have a guy out with these concussion issues, the more you just get really nervous. You know, you just don't want to go down that. Well, Bo Byron's had a, a, a long uh, history with that. In his young career, we all saw what Tuatunga Viola went through. Just a reminder of what can go wrong with some of these concussions. That's not just simply all right, go in the protocol, come back and you're fine. So yeah. Sooner you can get him back out and you can put together some games, no ill effects. Obviously you gotta take your time to make sure he comes back. You know, he's got enough time to for the, the whatever the brain injury is to heal. Um would you hold him out longer? Meaning, hey, we know you've been cleared, but we all know that once oh, you've had one concussion or right. a second concussion, the chances of getting a third concussion go up by a lot. Would you just say, hey, we're, we're, we're playing really well. We're 14-2-2 two two in our last 18 games. It's not like we need you right now. Let's just keep you on ice for a while. Uh, no, I, I think you... I think hockey players got to play hockey. I just think... You gotta, you gotta skate. You gotta be out there. You gotta do those things. Now you can manage some of the minutes that you're out there, you know, because you've got a good thing going on right now. But the Avs need McCarr to be good to go come playoff time. So yeah. but doesn't that support my idea? Then you got you need him. You just said the phrase: need him to be right. good to go by playoff time. But sit, not still with 20 games but, left. But sitting. For any length of time, does not help you prepare for. I, I just think there's a fine line there, and I think you can manage him in game, manage him a little bit in game as you get him back up to speed. But I think one thing about hockey that that I you need to play all the time. I just think that that's a, that's an important aspect of it. The more you sit out, you know, the more lethargy sets in. I guess third down. Sean Payton has Vance Joseph as his defensive coordinator.
1: May even have room for Matt Patricia on his staff. He's outstanding. I've known him for a long time. We practiced against the Patriots. I think he's extremely talented. He's a guy that they've won five Super Bowls while he was calling defenses. So that was easy. Like, I knew right away I wanted to interview Matt. I knew right away I wanted to interview Vance. I've known those guys. And then I thought, man, Rex made a lot of sense. Sean Desai was someone I knew I wanted to visit with. You know, he was in Chicago with Ryan Pace and with Vic. Vic was supposed to be part of the plan, then you guys scared him away, so. Thanks, Mac. Yeah, way to go, d yeah. I,
0: You know, he had a plan. You know, you you went right. on and on. Well, you got to have a plan. Well, he had a plan. Mm-hmm. And the plan was ruined by you. So, yeah. nice job. Yeah. Hope you feel good about yourself. That's right. It's had it all written out. Yep. Just all written out. All set up. And then here comes Hurricane D-Mac. Just ruining everything. Blowing papers all over the place. Again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like that, uh, known. Could have had Vic. Could have had the guy that everybody in the NFL is following his lead. But no! The Muggles. Right. The, the, the rise of the Muggles. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> One, two, three, fourth down. Well, when Pete Carroll wasn't uh, a- answering questions about uh, Russell Wilson trying to get him fired, he did talk about how Russ will fit with Sean Payton.
1: Um, I don't I don't think you could come up
0: with a better guy to coach a quarterback than John he, he's, he's proven that you know he's had such tremendous success. He's battled against him for years he's a great thinker he's got a great play calling uh, mentality um, the, this, the discipline of his teams has always shown up and, and, and that'll be a big factor taking over. Uh, they, you know they're very fortunate to get him to go there. You know Pete speak having I mean, had all those sure. meetings with Pete mm-hmm. Carroll over the years, and you've seen many times when Pete Carroll talks, and you're just kind of like rolling your eyes like, really, Pete, can we? Can, can you give me something? Mm-hmm. But was that authentic, Pete, right there? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, listen, you're not going to find anybody in the National Football League that has competed and played against Sean Payton teams that doesn't have a ton of respect for Sean Payton. And I mean a ton. His teams play hard, they play smart, they're aggressive, and you know, I'm talking to Dan Campbell this the game one of this last season and just asked him, like what, what, what are the things, some of the things you've taken away from Sean Payton? He said, Number one, I have never met his equal when it comes to exploiting your defense with personnel matchups. Using multiple personnel matchups and using them in such a way to really break down your defense. I mean, everybody, there's not one person that doesn't think very highly of Sean Payton when it comes to his football acumen. That is it for 4 Down Territory. Coming up next, and if you want to react to... Except, uh, well, let me amend that. Except Mac. Correct. Right. Yeah, he knows all. Coming up next... We will hear from Sean Payton after years of watching bad, bad offense around here. We are looking to Sean Payton to restore our faith in good NFL offensive football. So how does he do it? In his words, he'll tell you what makes him a good play caller. That's next. When the day is done, the game is over, and you need a break from all the stress. Relax in your tub or shower from Bath Fitter. Bath Fitter. will fit your budget with a price match guarantee. No money down, no payments for up to five years. Get the ball rolling. Visit bathfitter.com today. You're listening to Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. Man, what a long, strange, ugly trip it's been the last six years when it comes to the Broncos' offense. Don't even need to start talking about the quarterbacks. Just the the coaching. Mike McCoy, who never wanted to be here as an offensive coordinator, still envisioned himself as a head coach. you got uh, Pat Shermer here practicing incompletions. You've got... um, Uh, Rich Scangarello and and all his wrinkles and he and Vic Fangio not being able to get along. Nathaniel Hackett completely in over his head. Going through a season in which we had multiple play callers. And it was the guy who seemed the most ill-equipped at the end who actually had the best results in Justin Outen. It has just been, (laughs) what a trip. So hopefully we are counting on Sean Payton to come in and show us what real offense and real play calling and real design looks like. He talked at length yesterday at the Combine on what goes into being a good play caller.
1: Number one, you have to have good players to be a good play caller, I think. You can be a bad play caller with good players, and that's not good. So there's there's a back and forth with that. I think understanding how it can change each week and, not being, and really doing a good job self-scouting yourself so that you don't, if you're not paying attention over three weeks, you can have some trends that are you're like, wow, I didn't know that. So I think you have to do a good job of looking inward. And then I think, see if this makes sense. It's a little bit easier. It's not required, but it's a little easier if you're the head coach because when you're the play caller for like Parcells, which I was, you got to worry about the play, but you also got to worry about pleasing him. And so it's a little easier to be a little bit more bold when when it just stops with you. And so you know, with Bill, you'd call a play and you'd hear this. <sighs> be like, and then if it worked he'd be like that a boy but if it didn't work and so you had to tune out the radio static a little bit love it he's right
0: do we have we had one play caller over the last six years talk like that just like explaining the, the whole process no uh no 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 no, we had hey t- tutties. We're gonna have some tutties around here. Yeah, let's go get tutties. Yeah, delicious, delicious. Um, I think that I think there's a couple things there that that resonate. Like it's not it's not false bravado, but there's a confidence there, and there's a brashness in. I gotta have good players, you know, to be good. But i got to look at myself, and I've got to be bold enough in situations and understand where the buck stops. And it comes back to what we talked about with the staff last year, and the, and the biggest mistake that George Payton made is essentially not empowering that staff. Now, I don't know that they would have been any good even if they had been empowered, but at least they would have been able to keep their quarterback in check to a degree. And you have to allow people to do their work, to not be hovering over their shoulder, being a helicopter kind of parent, so to speak. But you've got to be able to let guys do their job. And you know what? If they can't do it, then you move on from those guys. But that confidence, that bravado, that understanding of how to put your players in positions to win, how to attack a defense, and and most importantly, how to mitigate your own potential weaknesses and your own potential disasters. And he talked about, hey, you can fall into patterns. You you can get into a a situation where you're always running a certain play out of a certain formation or you're always eventually you're getting to that formation. And if you get to that formation, even though you start somewhere else, you get to that formation, defense automatically checks. Here's what they're trying to do. So if they're trying to run this concept, we're going to run – you know we're going to check into a defense that basically takes away what their 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 first option, that type of thing. I, I love what he said about the difference between being, let's say, an offensive coordinator and being the head coach—the freedom that it gives you, right? But there there is a potential negative to that, though, right? Because you're right—you're the head coach, you're the play caller, you're freed mm. up—you can do whatever the heck you want. But do you have that check. Do you have that balance. Mm. So when you're calling plays for Bill Parcells, trust me, if things are not going well, he'll tell you, he'll remind you, he will make strong suggestions or even orders. So there is a form of checks and balances there that you don't necessarily have when you're a head coach. So there is, there is, Um, there's two sides. But again, that's why, that's why it's important imperative to have guys on your staff that aren't afraid and they can let you know. Um, and and I've talked about this a million times. Having Alice Gibbs on our sideline screaming at Mike Shanahan. Like screaming about what he wants. And like that stuff that stuff matters. And it's not about you know it's not about being vitriolic or or you know being acerbic or whatever. It's about saying, dude, I gotta get mine too, right? I've gotta take some pressure off my guys too. And there is that balance that when you have that, when you have people on your staff like a Joe Lombardi that you trust, that you've worked with, that will challenge you, uh, when you have a few of those guys on your staff, that's that's an important aspect. The other thing is, why is it important to have a defensive coordinator that you don't have to babysit? Because when that defense comes off the field, you know what you buried in? Your offense. You're buried in what you want to do. And so... Sean has always had one of those guys on that defensive side of the ball. One of the reasons he wanted a big fan Joe is because he can basically say <clears throat> pregame, you know, before the game during the week of preparation, this is what we want to do. This here's how we're going to balance one one each other out and here's how we're going to do this. Now go go make that happen. And now I don't want to have to worry about you during in-game. And that's why that that veteran presence, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is so important to what Sean Payton is doing here in Denver. Coming up in What's Trending, the Sodfather is a very unhappy. Something that could be going on with Tom Brady that Stink has to be a part of. And speaking of uh, Stink, was he aware? Did he hang with Aaron Rodgers while Rodgers was recently in Colorado? We'll find all that out in What's Trending next. Here's Schlereth and Evans with What's Trending right now. One of the best parts of the Combine is the coaches and general managers of every team there to uh, speak with the media. And so Pete Carroll and John Schneider both talking for Seattle yesterday. And they got asked about the report in The Athletic last week that Russell Wilson was trying to get both of them fired. John
2: Schneider weighing in on that. I have no idea what you're talking about. Did that come out on what? I'm kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> Can't um, Honestly, like water under the bridge. Um, you know, we're really like I just talked about a couple minutes ago. We're really proud of our culture. Uh, you know, players when they play for us and when they leave, um, and then they come back at a certain time. Like, you know, I, I don't. I wouldn't have told you that. You know, Marshawn would have come back and played for us. Uh, but you know, I, I, you could kind of believe it now and. You listen to people go to other teams and uh, have the experiences that they have, but like I said, you know, having the the Ek's and the Moes and the David Stricklands and you know Stew up in the kitchen and just the, the culture that we have, um, and then you know, I think they all know that at the end of the day, you know, they can they can come back. They're always going to be part of our family. Um, yeah. During the
0: question. Mm-hmm. Didn't he the only the only thing that gave you a little bit when he said ah water under the bridge right so what you're saying is it it may have happened well, I don't yeah but I, listen, it's still water under the those bridge guys, we those moved guys on. are never gonna talk on the record on any of that stuff and they knew the contentious nature and some of the things that went down in regards to Russell there um, but I will say this about John Schneider. I agree. I think they've got a really good football culture, culture and, you know, they have to occasionally make some tough decisions. And, you know, and, and again, that was one of the things that, that why Russell is here and he's not there anymore. And certainly Pete Carroll and John Schneider can both take the high road. They won. They won the turf war in yeah. Seattle. They won at the time and then they were validated this past year. So unless Russ turns this thing entirely around and and goes on and is here for the next, you know, eight years and leads the Broncos to a couple of Super Bowls, man, remember when we said that so easily right right in the aftermath of the trade and it felt so good and so right and so possible? Now when I say it, I might as well be talking about, you know, farting Skittles. Let's rob most hmm. just thinking about that. Diabetes. Man, these Skittles taste like crap. <laughs> I thought these were good. Yeah. What happened these Skittles? Um, I if I had the ability to fart Skittles it'd be a good thing. Yeah. Apparently not. No. Nobody wants fart <laughs> skittles. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Now that I think about it. Let me <laughs> just, just let's yeah. Um well, I don't even know what we're talking yeah, about. So, like, it's, uh, I mean, why don't we just move on? Okay. Aaron Rodgers recently was in Colorado. He and he didn't call Vail. me. He did not call me. Hanging it on veil. What happened? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he would have gotten a free meal. F- you, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So Island, we're not tight. I uh, I love reading the the story. Um. So apparently he was at a place, a trendy place in Vale. Okay. And let's see. Let me read here from the report. Witnesses tell us Rogers arrived around 9 p.m. with f- roughly 15 people in his crew. Okay. Including some very beautiful women. All right. They drank champagne throughout the evening, and we're told Rogers seemed to be carefree, sharing laughs with his pals. Good for him. Eventually, the NFL superstar and company headed off to a private room for dinner. So, you were well, not no. part of this. What time did they get there? Around nine. And then they had drinks and all that, and then went to the private room for dinner? Yeah. I mean, eating dinner for crying out loud. No wonder I wasn't invited. <laughs> night So, you're oh, so right, they, yes. probably didn't eat, they probably didn't eat dinner until probably close to. 10, 11 o'clock at night? Sure. Can't do it. When was the last time you ate dinner at after 10 o'clock at night? Well, I mean, probably the last time I was traveling and got in late and hadn't eaten, and found a muffin or a you know dinner roll. Not that's not a full meal. That's no, just that's somebody just, else's dinner roll snack. that's left out on the, you know, left out on the uh, room service. Room service. Uh, somebody put it on the. You know, we're done with it. They didn't delicious. They didn't eat it all, or they just had a nibble of it. Wait a minute, hold on. Wait a minute, hold on. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa! You've always said that you would only eat stuff off somebody else's room service tray if it was clearly not eaten, like if the wrapping had been taken off. Now you're saying you have done that. If there's only like a small bite in it, well, yeah, I'll, 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 yeah, I will clean off the bite area. occasionally. Oh
3: righty then.
0: But I was at the time. In my defense, I was really hungry. (laughs) <laughs> so, there's that uh, So, the sod father Is yeah. not happy No, he is not Man, he's pissed He George should Toma. Be. George Toma, who is the long time Like, for decades He's done every Super Bowl He's done every Super Bowl He's the groundskeeper mm-hmm. He's kicked off at the NFL Over its terrible Super Bowl field conditions, saying he, quote, can't take it anymore. Spent 18 months preparing the rye grass. Said that the sod was overwatered four days before the game. Uh Uh-huh. We saw players slipping all over the place. Right. He's pointing fingers at the NFL's field director for the grass being too slick. Saying, quote, he waters the hell out of it and puts it right into the stadium and that's it. Never sees sunlight again. He can't do that. Yeah, that's a problem. I knew there was something going on. I talked about it, like, on Twitter. I was like, dude, there's, like, I don't know if they just rolled it in here and there's there was, you know, the humidity or you know, all of a sudden it's in a cold environment and it's been outside. I don't know what it is, but it makes sense, right? You roll it in there days in advance and it's too wet when it goes in, it's going to be This is this is interesting stuff, and I'm sure this is the stuff that your landscaping company shares with you. Mike Mike Evans. Quote, he sanded it two weeks too late. He had only one sanding. He should have had two or three sandings, Mm. but he didn't do bleep, and that was it. He wouldn't listen to anybody. Man, Toma goes on. Me and the league are finished. They can't tell me what to do anymore. We're done. (laughs) The sod father. Yeah. Hey-oh. He's he is about ninety. George Thomas, I think he's been on every. I'm pretty sure the field could field for every Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, Apparently, he he's not quite be. the sod father. If uh, all this other stuff happened under right, well, they, without his the consent, guy's, the guy's ninety he's consultant, whatever. right? Yeah. So now they they they've kept him on, but they haven't. They're not obviously they're not using him. Good, good for him. Yeah, protect your name. Tom Brady is open to the idea of a possible roast. Really? Could you roast Tom Brady? Could I roast him? Could you roast him or would you just be too awestruck being in the
1: presence I Tom Brady!
0: That you would end up just fawning over him. And everyone would be like, yo, stink, we're here to roast the dude. Right. Even Tom would be like, Mark, snap out of it. I love Tom Brady. I, um, Would you roast him? I might be head of security and if anybody you know, like stepped over the line, you know, then I just go up there and <laughs> so if somebody went like full Jeffrey Ross, right. you'd be like, hey, 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 hey. Enough's enough. That's not funny. That is not funny. No, I could roast That's him. That's just mean. Yeah. I could roast him, sure. Why not? All right. Why wouldn't I? That'd be fun. I mean, you know, Peyton would be part of that. Other than I'm not funny enough or I'm not. No, that's not. Certainly that's not the case. I'm not famous enough. I'm certainly funny enough. I don't know. Have you seen some of the C and D listers on some of these roast specials? There'd be a place for you. I don't know that I even cracked the D line up. (laughs) That'll do it for uh, what is trending. Up next, Mark has talked about the importance of the Broncos creating this for years. How will Sean Payton do it? You'll hear from the man himself. And Kendrick Perkins going after our guy, Nikola Jokic. Thank goodness we have J.J. Redick riding to the rescue. That's next. Loosen up those joints and muscles. It's time for your 7.45 stretch. Here's Schlereth and Evans with the biggest story in Denver sports. Got a couple things to uh, get to. As always, you are welcome to join us on the Ramoslaw.com text line, 303-713-1043. Got the denversports.com front page coming up here in about 15 minutes. So this is something that you have gone, two things that you have stressed over the last dozen half dozen years as we've watched this Broncos debacle. Uh the, the lack of an identity. Sure. On offense. hmm And just not having a real definable, easy to see culture around this football team. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Am I, yeah, no, no, no. I misrepresenting think you? No, I think that's I think that's very, You know me, I'd hate to misrepresent you. you. Right. You would never, ever try to give me to go full Ferguson. Um yeah, no, I no, I think that's a great representation of the way I feel. Well, here's Sean Payton yesterday talking about what he believes
1: a good culture is. Beyond people, it's every detail. Every little thing matters, in, in almost in an obsessive way, that all of those details matter inside the framework of the field, and and we obsess as coaches and teachers on on doing the little things well, but that has to exist in every other area of your building and you know in your equipment room in your training room in your cafeteria and and pretty soon then you know the the building all moves in a direction kind of in concert and that's pretty cool when that happens it's not easy people talk about it they search for it like the holy grail a little bit but i've seen it i've been a part of it and it requires a little bit of unselfishness from from all of us in knowing that if we're all moving in this one direction chances are it's going to benefit all of us that are moving. Yeah.
0: I I think I'm in love. Yeah. I, I love that aspect of it. I always tell you, you know, that, that the, the culture is not static. It's alive. It's ever moving and it's got to be worked on and it's got to be nurtured and it's got to be established and it's got to be lived out on a day to day basis. And, if you are willing to let those little the little things slip through the cracks, then then the people that are underneath you are gonna let little things slip through the cracks. And eventually little things in in this business or in any business become big things. And and so I, I, I agree with that. Like from the cafeteria to the there's a way we treat people. There's a way that we operate as professionals there's a way we prepare there's a way we don't let each other down there's a way like there's a way to do it um and and you know what it isn't it it isn't easy it's rewarding but it's not easy um as my dad used to say all the time when I was a little boy there's no right way to do something wrong you can justify it in your head all you want to justify in your head but if it's wrong it's wrong and Putting yourself in front of the team, Russell Wilson. Putting your individual needs ahead of everybody else's is wrong. Now, you may say, hey, I spend more time in here than other people and this, that, and the other. Guess what? I don't care. I don't. There's just no way to do something. There's no right way to do something wrong. And I'm a, a big believer in that. You know, that is indelibly marked on my heart because it's something that my dad preached 24/7. And those those things matter, right? Those things when it comes to building a culture, that stuff matters. The way you treat the dude who cleans up the locker room. Right? The way you the way you treat the equipment guys, the way you treat the film guys, the way you treat the cafeteria workers. That matters. That's part of your culture, and and it should. And it comes from a place of, and you heard it during that clip, that's how I've done it before. Mm -hmm. That's how we've done it before. This isn't somebody, this isn't Josh McDaniels, Vance Joseph, Vic Fangio, Nathaniel Hackett Mm -hmm. coming out and giving us their vision, which has nothing to back it up. Nothing. Right. Right. Now you got a guy who shares his vision, and he can literally say, unlike these other guys, this is how we've done it. Mm-hmm. You know, this I think, is right. how it works. I, and that for all of us who wanted an experienced head coach this time around, mm-hmm. what, what, what I heard right there, that that's what we want. I think sometimes, you know, with, with young coaches sometimes, you, you've had your face so buried. Kyle Shanahan said this to me once. He goes, I'm in charge of everything as the head coach of the 49ers. He goes, when things weren't going well, as I was the coordinator of Atlanta, I could go in my office and not shower for three days and never come out and just work on, you know, what we were trying to accomplish. And, and you know, and I could just bury myself in that. I can't do that as a head coach. I gotta shower. I gotta present myself to the team. I gotta present myself with confidence. I gotta present myself to the media. I gotta present myself like I've got to operate, right? And I've got to be working working on it. I think as young coaches sometimes, like this is just a business philosophy. I think young coaches sometimes are working in the business. Right? They're in the business. But to really make your organizational your your organization thrive You've got to be working not in the business, but on the business, and the head coach has got to work on the business. And it's the business of football, and it's the business of a culture, and it's the business of building all these things. And sometimes, when you're a guy like Nathaniel Hackett, you don't actually see all that goes on because you're buried in the business. Yeah, you're buried in yeah, the day-to-day point. play calling and that and all and and designing and all that stuff, and you don't see everything else. So then all of a sudden, you get the opportunity, and you're like completely oblivious to all the. On the business work that needs to be worked on, and as I'm watching Peyton talk yesterday, it's just it's it's coming across. It's it's something that was tangible that you could touch and feel. Is the idea that after after watching an overmatch coaching staff, really overmatch coaching staffs, but especially last year's staff, where everything they were doing, they were just trying to kind of figure out on the on the fly. Mm And and put things together and plans together. And does this work? Does this not work? we got to go back. Is that with this staff, you have a staff that is able to hit the ground running doing what? Coaching and teaching. They know what their plan is. They know what their philosophy is. Now they can start on day one immediately implementing Mm -hmm. it compared to that gong show staff last year that that was just trying to figure it out and was constantly playing from behind. And, and look at how this staff is put together. This staff is put together. The head of this staff, obviously, Sean Payton. He goes out and gets a veteran guy that he's very familiar with in Joe Lombardi. But he's got some young coaches on the offensive side of the ball. Some kind of first-time guys that he can groom and he can bring along. Guys that he knows. you know. Uh, uh, so so he's gone in, in that direction. Who's the O-line coach now? Um, former player. Shoot. Streif, yeah, Zach Streif. So he's got he he's he's done that defensively. What has he got? Vance Joseph been doing it for quite some time. Manuski been doing it for quite some time. Like he's got some veteran presence, even special teams. Westoff is part of that group with the special teams. So he's got like key veteran, old school. I know how this works, guys on his staff, and he's got a great. Like a great mixture of veteran, old head guys that know exactly what's going on, what it takes, and some young guys that they're going to groom underneath them to, you know, to to carry on that kind of quote unquote tradition. Love watching. I shouldn't say I love it, but I I love the way that JJ Redick has been coming to Nikola Jokic's defense. We played a lot of JJ Redick yesterday Mm -hmm. on his on his uh, old man in the uh, three podcast. But for some reason, I, I don't know if, if Kendrick Perkins really means all this stuff or is just, it's just TV shtick, but he, he looks foolish as he accuses Nikola Jokic of stat padding. When I watch the games, I'm watching Jokic pass the ball and I'm watching his guys catch and shoot, catch and shoot, no hesitation, good or bad shot. And let me tell you one thing. It goes on, it conversations goes on in that locker room and players know where their stats are. Are you sitting here and saying
1: Nikola Jokic is having his numbers padded? Is that what you're saying? You were you heard what the hell I said? I said he had
0: eight single. He had eight games where he had single digit shot attempts. And for a while it was 9.5 assists, he was averaging 9.8. And all of a sudden I saw those shot attempts and his points go down and I started to see his assists go up. Okay. What, what the, the f- Are you watching? <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 seething right now. Right. Literally My head's about ready to explode. Yeah, that would be a ginormous explosion. Uh Uh-oh. That would pretty much end Denver as we know it.
1: (laughs) It's
3: over.
0: Yeah. We are screwed. That would be like like a nuclear blast.
1: Right.
0: The tech center is now gone. (laughs) What happened? Ladies and gentlemen, the tech center is now gone. Mike's head exploded. (laughs) Anyway... I'll tell you well, what, though, well, if, well, if you're going to go out, well, <laughs> if you're, like, you're going to die, me getting blown up by your ass, <laughs> I mean, it'd be quick. Yeah, it would be. relatively painless. Yeah, and you would go down to history. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll leave J.J. Redick to uh, defending Jokic's honor against Perkins' salacious claims. Do you agree with Perk on the idea that Jokic is stat padding? Love,
3: Perk. I, uh, I strongly disagree with this. I strong, and look, I've never been Nikola Jokic's teammate. Uh, if you ask anyone that's been around him, heck, I did it on Sunday night with Michael Malone. Uh, Nikola Jokic does not care about stats, does not care about averaging a triple-double. Nikola Jokic, I hate to tell everyone, doesn't care about winning an MVP. He cares about winning a championship. The idea that he's stat padding. Coach, Malone, this is how he described the game. This is how he described Nikola Jokic's game. He doesn't fight the game. Mm. He just makes the right play every time. He compared his basketball IQ to LeBron. This is not a guy that cares about stat-padding, Perk. And the the best argument I can make of why this is such a ludicrous statement, they're 23-0 when he has a triple-double. Going back to last year, they've won 28 games in a row when he has a triple-double. If we're going to make up narratives about players, like, I know Perk is on this Joel Embiid's the MVP rant. I know he's on this thing. But like, let's not make up a narrative about a player that is just so unbased in reality. I, I, Perk, I
0: love you, but no, no. Wow, if that was if that was a heavyweight fight, man, it's it's like it's like Drago against Apollo Creed. Throw the damn towel! Right? Throw the damn towel. That one. I that, mean, that was just a beatdown. It was a beatdown. And he's a hundred percent right. By the way, now a triple double for a center. Is ridiculous, right? But bottom line is when you like the triple double, averaging the triple double for a season was special. And then Westbrook did it three years in a row. And now it's like, yeah. It, and now it's something that's ridiculous for a center to do. But the bottom line is, Mike, is I'm 100% on board with JJ. I don't really think that Nikola Jokic gives a crap. Nikola Jokic wants to win and he's going to do what is required based upon that particular game and the way that game unfolds. Like I could explain kind of like this. I do, and you, you watch me prepare to call a game on Sunday, right? And I do probably way, way more work than I need to. Yes. You work too hard right. on it. Yes. But I kind of like the grind and and I enjoy studying the film and I enjoy talking to coaches about kind of schemes and and there's different things, right? But ultimately every weekend you go in thinking this is what's going to happen and this is the way this is going to play out and this is going to And you know what happens? It never goes the way you think it's going to go. You've got to call the game that's in front of you. A couple years ago, I'm doing the Giants-Rams game. Real quick story. And the Rams are cutting people up out of a bunch formation, bunch nasty. So they've got a three-man stack on one side, the strong side with the tight end involved and two other wide receivers, and a wide receiver on the opposite side down at about a five-yard split away from the weak side tackle. And they they are running power away. They're running jet sweep away. They are running... You know, tight handoff, uh, they're tight mid-zone and, and wide zone, too. They're running a bunch of play-action stuff. Off. They are cutting people up. So I put this whole package together, Mike, this whole package together, and we are going to explain football to the masses, and it's going to be the greatest package ever, and it's got all kinds of bells and whistles, and this thing is like we'll put a lot of work into it. It's awesome, and I cannot wait, cannot wait to, you know, show the country how much smarter I am than you. They got in two tights solo and never got into a bunch formation one time <laughs> during the course of that game. For four weeks, they cut the whole NFL up. They barely beat the Giants. And you know what it is? It's exactly what Sean Payton said in his press conference. Sometimes you got to self-evaluate and self-scout. And they knew the Giants weren't offensively gifted enough to beat them in their defense. So you know what we're going to do? We're gonna small up, simple down, change exactly what we're doing. We're going to go on all two tights. And we're going to give the whole NFL something else to study and prepare for. And even though we only scored whatever it was, nineteen points or whatever, it doesn't really matter. That's all we needed to beat the Giants. And so all this work I did, you basically go, huh, I didn't think that was going to happen. You know, looking back on it, I should have said, Hey, the last four weeks, this is what they've been doing. Now they're in two times, and explain why are we doing that? Well, we're changing up our looks, and we're de- like that would have been smart producing, and that would have been smart on my behalf. And and I'm just not that bright, you know. But the bottom line is, it never plays out the way you think it's going to play out. And that's Nikola Jokic's game. Each game is going to play out differently. So I'm going to do what I have to do for my team to get a win. If that's score 40 points, I'll score 40. If that's dish out 16 assists, I'll dish out 16 assists. If that's get 22 rebounds, that's what I'll do. It doesn't matter to me the way, the, the way it unfolds. It's just going to unfold the way it is, and I'll adjust accordingly. When your team is in hot water and you need a break from the play-by-play, Bath Fitter can install your tub or shower in just one day. And just like a coach, Bath Fitter is in your corner offering a watertight, seamless wall. A design consultant will take accurate measurements of your tub or shower and recommend the products that fit your budget. Bath Fitter has special financing available with no money down and no interest for up to five years. Now that's a game changer. Visit BathFitter.com to book your in-home consultation. Bath Fitter, it just fits.